Today's daf is daf chafhei, page 25, in the Heilige Meseches the Dorim. And we are up to the word loy. Okay, we're up to loy. Okay, so just to remind ourselves, we want to know that when somebody makes a statement of a vow, is it a, do we rely on his understanding? Or do we insist that there's absolute clarity in his words. So for example, the Gemara on the top of today's daf, what we ended off with yesterday, uh, explained to us that, you know, when somebody says, you know, I, I, I swear that on this road there was the amount of people that left Mitzrayim. So the Gemara said, maybe he's talking about uh, ants. There was the amount of things, maybe he's talking about ants, how do you know he's talking about people? I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of ants. Sigmar so says, no, 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 no. We, when somebody makes an oath, we don't allow him to swear according to his understanding. And I'll prove it to you because there's a brisa which says that when a guy swears in court, the judges say to him that you should know when you're taking this oath, it's according to our knowledge, not according to your knowledge. I.e., if they make him take an oath that he doesn't owe um, money to somebody. And he takes an oath, I swear don't earn money. Now in his mind, maybe he's keeping in mind, he, to him, he's, he, what he means by money is wood. Or vice versa. See, in every, it's a very deep idea because in every language, what gives something its definition? You can have the same word in two different languages that mean different things. We know that even from English to Hebrew, right? The word who, hevav aleph in Hebrew means he in English. If I use the word he, does it mean she? Or am I using the English language, which means he? Right? Because he in Hebrew means she. He in Hebrew means he in English means he. So how do I know what this guy is thinking when he's saying these words? So what the judges say to him is, listen, buddy, we ain't playing games here. When you swear and you take an oath, all the words that you use has to be according to our understanding. Now, it seems that since the judges need to say that, a person, whenever he takes an oath, we rely on whatever his understanding is. That's where we're at in the Gemara. Okay? That whatever he says he had in mind, unless the judges give him a warning, that's what, that's what the Shvua or the Nether is going to be. So here we go. Says the Gemara, Lai. Ten lines from the top, second word on the line, light. That we don't automatically assume that a person's words are going to be able to be interpreted by himself and tell us afterwards what it means. La Fuke Mikanya de Rava is actually coming to exclude the story of the Kanya, the cane of Rava. Now, what is the story of Rava's cane? So listen to this. This is a fantastic story. Tahu Gavra, there was a fellow to have a masik. He was in debt to, with Zuzim. You know, he owed money to a guy, to somebody else. Reuven owed money to Shimon. Also, the Kamei Rava. So, Reuven owed money to Shimon. So, Shimon came in front, I'm sorry, Reuven came in front of Rava. Amar lay, and he said, Rava says to him, yeah? Go pay the money. Amar lay, praticha. Borrower says, I already paid you up. Yeah, if that's really true, that you paid back, go swear, go take an oath that you paid up. Oh, so they came to Ravat as the Paisik. Ravat tells the borrower, go swear. Ozal, 
So the borrower went, the Isay Kanya, and he, uh, he went, the Isay, and he brought Kanya a stick, a cane. He put money into the cane. You know, like you could turn your cane into like a, a gun. You turn your cane in, he turned it into a, a money pouch. So he walks into court with a cane full of money. He says to the lender, Do you do me a favor? Please hold my cane for me. You hit a stick. You see where he's going with this? See, the borrower, the lender doesn't know that he already has the money. The borrower says, Do me a favor. Do me a favor. Hold my cane. Okay. Nasab Sefer Torah, and then the borrower takes the Sefer Torah. The Ishtabe, the Pare, He says, I swear, I'm taking an oath. I handed over all the money that I owe this guy, I already handed over to him. So the lender got so angry, he knew this guy was lying, he slammed the cane, <laughs> like a, what do they do at birthday parties? What do they take? They hit this thing and all the candy falls out, uh, whatever they're called. Yeah. So he takes the cane and he, it broke. All the money spilled out. And they found the Kushta Ishtaba. He had sworn honestly. Okay. It turns out he swore honestly. In other words, afterwards, they didn't make him bring a sacrifice. They didn't make him, you know, pay up for a, uh, for a false oath. Okay. But over there, what you see from this story is that. He comes to Rava, and they allowed him to take an oath, even though there's makam, there's place for shtick over here, which ultimately he was busted on, all right? Uh, ultimately he was, he was busted on, and the, the lender got his money back. But the governor says, Now, even though Rava uh, didn't insist that he clarify his words when he said, I handed over the money to the lender, that, that's still not a proof that we always allow a guy to use words lefi according to his own understanding, the hatanya, because we learned in Abraisa, the chain matzinu by Maishar Abenu, you find by Maishar Abenu the kisha hishbia as Yisrael when he had been a Yisrael swear by Arvais Mayav in the plains of Mayav. This is in the midbar Maishar Abenu in Sefer Devarim brings Bnei Yisrael to a shvua to re uh, to recommit to our. To our relationship with Hakadosh Baruch Hu, Amar Lehem, Maisha says, "Hevu yaidim, you should know, Shalai al datchem ani mashpiyaschem." That when I'm making you swear to recommit to the Rebbeinu Shalom, it's not with the word that you're thinking. Ella al daiti, I expect these oaths to be done according to my understanding. Va'al das amakam, and the understanding of Rebbeinu Shalom Shemar, as it says. And it's not you alone, Parshazinu, not you alone are taking the oath, but this Allah and the Shua, rather, you're taking this oath for you and for all later generations in the, in the according to the understanding of Maisha Rabbeinu, of Maisha and HaKadosh Baruch So the Gemara says, now we're not done with our proofs, listen to this, we're not going to have a Gishmaka, um, uh, a Gishmaka Gambar that's going to take us down to the two dots, focusing on this idea with Maisha and various mitzvahs, Shavuos. So here we go. My love, Amalul Yisrael, let's understand when Maisha had B'nai Yisrael recommit 
in an oath to our relationship with Hashem. Isn't this what Maishu meant? Didn't he say as follows? Maybe you have done things that don't follow the Torah. And you're going to say, Oh, you know why I'm not following? Because I really am following my recommitment. I, when I said those words, I meant something else. Therefore, Maisha insisted that when you take, when you take this, this uh, Allah, you are going to swear according to my understanding of the Allah and the Rabbani Shalom's understanding, to exclude what? Now, coming to exclude that maybe they were in their mind, they're thinking, what is God? So they could say, yeah, we recommitted. And Maisha says, oh, but, um, you just said you recommitted. He says, no, 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 no. When I said Ali'ah, I meant a different God, not the Rabbi Nishalim. So therefore, Maisha insisted that they, um, that they have in mind what he intended. Which seems that in general, when somebody swears, again, if not for Maisha insisting that it be done according to his understanding, when a person takes an oath, they could tell us afterwards, I meant something completely different than you thought I was saying. When I swore I didn't owe money, what I had in mind is I don't owe cereal. Whatever he's keeping in mind. Okay? Says the Gemara. The Gemara says, no, there's no raya. Why? Because Avaydez Kavim is called Mitzrayim the Gaimer. And this is why we're saying Alayah and the word Alayah, because referring not referring to really Hashem, it's referring to other gods. And therefore, it was important that since this one word has multiple meanings, now obviously there is only one God, nothing else is a God. A God means there's a power, nothing else has power. So the Torah uses the word Alayah Mitzrayim because this is how people refer to it. Even though there's no, there's not really any other gods. But since people use that expression, so what they're saying is, we're recommitting to, we didn't mean the real God, we meant Abed Dazar. Says the Gemara, one second, why didn't he have them swear that you're going to keep the mitzvahs in this way instead of swearing to Hashem? Let them swear about the action. This way, there's no, there's no two ways about it. Oh, I didn't mean this mitzvah, I meant, I meant a different mitzvah, same mitzvah. Yeah, the Gemara is asking on Maish Rabbeinu, committing themselves to Hashem. Let them commit to a, the mitzvahs. So the Gemara says, Mashma mitzvah is hamelech. Yeah, that, would, that could possibly mean uh, mitzvah is hamelech, which means that they're going to say, yeah, we, commit, we, we agreed to follow commandments, but the commandments of the king of our local country. There's other kings. A lot of kings give commandments. So the word mitzvah means commandment. The says, let, let, so Gemara had asked, let, if you're nervous about them having in mind the wrong God, say mitzvahs. The Gemara says they could have in mind different mitzvahs. A mitzvah of a king of a country. So the Gemara says, fine. The lishba yasayim, let them swear, the mikaimisun kol mitzvahs, that you'll fulfill every command. And this will include whether it's a local government Obligation and whether it's a biblical obligation. As the Gemara says, Mashma mitzvah tzitzis. If you would just say 
the Kamaison mitzvahs, that would only imply that they're agreeing to keep the mitzvah of tzitzis. This is fascinating. Yom Mar, because the Tana taught us, Shkula mitzvah tzitzis, can I get to call a mitzvah Shabbat The mitzvah of tzitzis is equal to all the other mitzvahs of the Now, what does it mean equal? What it means is in gematria. In numerical value, the um, tzitzis, right, tzadi yud, tzadi yud, sof, and then you have 600, okay, tzadi is 90 plus 10, 100, tzadi is yud, Plus 10 is nine, another 100, so we're up to 200. Plus Saf, 400. Yes, you have 200, you have 100 plus 100 plus 400. 600. And then there's the knots and the string. So there's five knots on each corner. You have to 605, eight strings on each corner, 613. So the tzitzis equals the 600 in gematria plus the five knots plus the eight strings all equals 613. So you know what they say? Oh, we kept all mitzvahs. By what? The one mitzvah of tzitzis. So th- th- that wouldn't be a real commitment. And that's why Moshe Rabbeinu didn't use, didn't use the word mitzvah. Because even if they say, we did all the mitzvahs, there's some mitzvahs that people could play games and say, oh, this, what I meant by all the mitzvahs is this one mitzvah that adds up to 613. But, but Moshe want them to commit to everything. Says the Gemara, okay. And again, we're, we're just trying to see if Moshe Rabbeinu could have used a better type of swearing for them than just to say, Eli, ah. Says the Gemara, Belish by Yasoin, Demekaimisun Torah. Why doesn't Misha swear that they're going to keep all the Torah? Yeah? What else are you going to say? All Torah? So Gemara says, Mashma Torah Achas. Yeah? Mashma Torah Achas is going to imply there is one Torah. Now, what does it mean, one Torah? Ready for this? The written Torah. Really, there's Tyre Shebek Sav and Tyre Shebek Alpeh. So he doesn't say Tyre. He would have only kept one. So what's the obvious question? Let Misha have them swear they're going to keep Toros. Ask the Gemara of Elish by Yasin to come Misha Tyres. Misha should have had them take a Shua, take an oath that they're going to keep the two Tyres, Tyre Shebek Sav and Tyre Shebek Alpeh. Gemara says no. Because within the Tyre, there's the word Tyre. And mashma teras mincha teras chatas teras asha. We find the word teira inside the teira itself, and the word teira could be used to mean a category of laws. If you say toros, you know what Bnei Yisrael could say? What we meant is the whole category of the Torah of a carbon mincha, the whole category of the Torah of a chatos, the whole category of But we didn't necessarily reaccept every command. Okay. So we still haven't found a better way for Moshe to have had them take an oath. Says the Gemara, the Lishba Yasoin the Kamaisun Torahs Umitzvahs. Let him say all of Torahs and all of Mitzvahs. And this way they can't limit their commandments and they can't limit their Torahs. So the Gemara says, Torahs Mashma Torahs Amincha, Mitzvahs Mashma Mitzvahs Amalech. Again, the word Toros can mean the. Uh, the Torah of the various categories of karbanas, and the word mitzvos can mean the various categories of a king's obligate, uh, commandments. So again, toros and mitzvos are not going to be fully clear as to what he's obligating them in. But the, let, let me just, we're going to keep asking, but notice that what the Gemara is pushing at this for is to teach us why it was important for Misha to tell them, whatever you say is dependent on 
my understanding and the Rabbani Shalom's understanding of what you mean, not your understanding of what you mean. Because there's a very important message in life that, we're ta- that we should be pulling from this. When people say things, you don't know what they mean when they say it. You don't know what they're having in mind. It's impossible. Unless you force it to be according to our understanding as opposed to their understanding. Let's keep going with this and we'll, we'll, we'll focus in on this. Let him say instead of Tairais to fill the entire Tairah. The entire Tairah can mean actually that you're not, all it means is not going to keep every mitzvah, but you're not going to serve idols. The tiny will so that won't be enough either, because Maisha is insisting, and obviously the obligation is much more than not serving Avedizara. Let him take a note, he can fulfill all the laws, um, as, uh, and you'll keep all the Torah, or let him be specific and say, you'll keep all 613 commandments. Now there's no way for them to wiggle out and say, we only uh, intended to keep some of them. So the Gemara answers, Maybe that would have worked. The easiest thing for Maisha Rabbeinu to do is to say, listen, Chavra, we're going to take an oath, we're going to be responsible to serve Hashem, keep the Torah, keep, keep the Torah, keep all the mitzvahs, and you should know that anything that you're obligating yourself to is according to how myself and the Rabbi Nishtalem understand it. Now this, there's, there, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot going on here. I, I, this is very, 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 very deep when it comes to our commitment to Hashem. Because even within our own minds, we only know what we know. So sometimes we think we're committed and we're not committed. We're just fo- the way that the Rabbani Shalom expects us to be committed. We're committed in our own minds. But really the obligation is to be committed in a way that the Rabbani Shalom intends for that half of the relationship uh, to be there. And in a in a less deeper way, how this plays out by Nadam Lechaveray is incredible. It's incredible. Sometimes you'll be shocked. And I myself, I'm sure I suffer from this. And you know, and many of us need to need to think about it. But you could talk about from day today till tomorrow the importance of caring about people, the importance of being a good husband, a good father, a good friend, a good colleague, a good this and that. that. And then you find out the person's a monster. They're a monster. They're not. They're not nice. Not a nice person. But if you talk to the person, they. I, there's been many times, the person sincerely thinks, that they're doing a good job, and they're very kind. That they're very nice. When they speak, when you talk about loving everybody, there's many people who speak about love is love, love the world, love this. They don't get along with their own parents. They haven't spoken to a sibling in 40 years, but they're out there talking about love because love means love in their understanding and on their terms. But that's not the way it is. My Rabbeinu is teaching us, no, 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 no. There's an obligation to learn more than what your own mind can fathom. And some people, it's, it's unfortunate, but yeah, 
That's what they feel our relationship is. But they'll talk from today till tomorrow something that we, we're all using the same words and saying the same thing, but you can only mean what your mind understands. If you don't know what you, if, if you think you know what you're talking about and you don't know what you're talking about, so you didn't say anything. That, that's why such a thing is shaykh. That's why such a thing is possible. And that's why it's crucial, says the Gemara, when we were committing ourselves to the Rabbani Shalom, Maisha Rabbeinu is letting us know this cannot be a subjective understanding of what you're being committed to. The understanding is going to be how the Rabbani Shalom expects it, not the way I expect it. Not, not the way I as an individual expect it to be. Okay. Two dots. All right. Here we go. Third wide line towards the bottom of Chafei Amar Aleph. Alright, so he says, I'm in a, a, a uh, nether if I haven't seen a, a snake by the wine, by the olive press. Alright, now this was, you know, this was a nether that, that's something that doesn't happen, so it's a nether that doesn't have meaning. Says Gemara Valai, why doesn't it have meaning? Because it doesn't happen. What do you mean, Vahu Chavi? I'll tell you, it one, one time it happened. Bishnei Shavar Malka. There was a, a, a snake. In the times of Shavur Malka, Ramulei Tlesar or Vasa, um, they they um, placed upon it thirteen or Vasa um, uh, uh, storehouses, the Tivna of Tevin. All right. So there was it was a snake, and they placed a lot of Tevin, a lot of straw. In order to stop it and to, you know, uh, uh, apparently the snake was going around and it was killing people and it was incredibly powerful. And they were having a very difficult time uh, stopping it. Okay, so what they did was they, um, they uh, lit a fire, okay, and they hid the fire in... In straw, before the rest of the straw could catch on, and the idea was for the snake to eat the straw. It was a humongous snake, and when it ate the straw with the fire inside of it, eventually inside the fire is going to burn the snake up as the fire grows inside of the snake. Ubala yasain, and it ended up swallowing everything there. So the Gemara says you basically see that you could have very large snakes. That are as big as a wine press, bigger than a wine press, an olive press, near the olive press. Some are Shmuel Bataruf. Yeah, Shmuel says where where um, the the guy says a, a snake which is stuck there. Okay, says the Gemara Kulu Nachshi Mitzav Trefe. You know, in every every. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Amar Shmuel Bataruf. He was describing he was describing the the type of snake. It was a type of snake that was taruf. It had very rough skin. That's very common for a snake. So Yomar says, Yeah, it's a type of, a type of uh, roughness that's unusual. Says Yomar, fine. The listen Tarof. So then why did the Misha just say that? Yeah, the listen Tarof. So the Gemara answers, we, uh, where are we on the, on the page? Three lines from the bottom, second to last word. Three lines from the bottom of Chofi Yomar Alev, second to last word. Says There's an added idea that is teaching me the kairas beis habad gabai taruf. That usually the beam by the olive press is very is very rough. The minaf kamina. Why do I need to know this? 
When it comes to business transactions, to teach you if somebody sells the beam of a of an olive uh, press to somebody else, then you have to make sure it has the proper characteristics. If there's roughness on the back of the wood, meaning it's like you know it's uh, it's um, ready to go, uh, you know it's kind of like a, a baseball glove that's broken in. Yeah, it's been. It's been, you know, an older glove is a better glove. You've been using it for 20 years, 30 years, geschmack, yeah? A new glove, eh, schwachemeises. You still need to break it in, right? So it's a beam that's broken, the beam that's broken in, you expect it, ah, I'll pay more money for it. Um, If it doesn't have the proper roughness on the beam, then the buyer can back out and say, you did not sell me a, uh, you did not sell me a proper beam. Okay, period, end of that Gemara. We now turn to Chafhei Ahmed Bey's. And we are up to the top Mishnah. Very, very Gishmaka Mishnah and, and uh, Gemara. Say, so here we go. This flows uh, very, very smooth and very straightforward. You know, we mentioned that a vow, which is Bishogig, which is unintentional, is, has no validity. It's not valid. You're not concerned about it. So the Gemara now explains what an unintentional vow is. Nidre Shkagais, what is an unintentional vow? So the Gemara gives a few options. It says, let's see, if a guy says, Again, remember, it's all about what you're thinking, right? By vows. So it's the same theme. But if a guy says, <clears throat> I'm taking a vow, um, I swear about this, I'm not going to uh, ever benefit from you again if I ate or drank today. And what happened was, he really thought he didn't eat or drink that day. But Veniskar Sha'achal Veshosis, at the time he made his vow, he was confident that he hadn't eaten. So he says, I'm making a vow if I eat anything. And it turns out he taka did. So the whole vow, so he really, he says, no, it was unintentional. You thought at the time of the vow you hadn't eaten. Turns out you did, fine, you're okay. Since at the time that you stated it, that's not what you meant, you're fine. And vice versa. What if a person says, I'm making a nether if I eat in the future today. I forbid benefit if I will eat. And then what happened was, you know what he, he's thinking? Of course I'm not going to eat. Some gedalia. It's tiny sester. It's teves. Eh, I'm not eating. And what happened was, he was out by the mechanic, got a little thirsty. Without thinking, he took a drink of water. He's like, I totally forgot it was a fast day. Completely forgot. Yeah? So then what? Also, says the Mishnah, you're fine as far as Nadir is concerned. Because you had no intention of eating and drinking, and then by mistake you ate and drank, so you're also okay. It was an unintentional creation of the vow. Omar Kainam Eshtin Nenesli. He says, I, I'm a koinam, expression of a vow. My wife cannot benefit from me. You know why she can't benefit from me? She She used my credit card without permission. Yeah? She stole my wallet. Stole my money. Or, let's say she's the stepmother. She hit my kid. My wife is never going to benefit from me again. And guess what happened? She never hit his kid. She didn't take his money. So it's not a valid vow. There's no problem. Again, the whole thing was made off of a mistaken promise. Okay. Another case. Let's say he sees a whole bunch of people eating his figs. 
So a guy walks over to his field. Oh, he sees that there's a whole kumzitz going on. Chevra is sitting around eating his figs. The Yomar, he says, carbon. Oh, you are forbidden for me like a carbon. You bunch of thieves. What are you doing? And turns out, Venimtsu Aviv Achiv, his father, it was his mishpucha. Yeah, his family was sitting around. There were some other people there also, but some people who he really doesn't mind being there. You ever offer something to somebody and the next thing you know, there's other people uh, enjoying it that you didn't intend to allow to enjoy it. But what did he say? He said, all of you are like a carbon. You're all forbidden. Turns out his father and brother were there. He didn't really, we know he didn't mean that. There's all the people there. So what do you do then? What happens? Again, you made one statement. And that statement was, and then it turns out, some of them you really didn't mind. So Beishamai says, I'll tell you what. The father and brother are still fine. They can eat the figs. There's no issue. Benefit from him. The other chavra are aser. In other words, whoever he intended to be aser is aser. The ones who he didn't intend to be aser are not. Interestingly, there's a major chiddush. There's a novel idea here that this one statement he could ultimately apply to some and not to others after the fact. That's Beishamai's approach. But Beishol says, no, 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 no. Elu ve'lu mutar. Once there were some people there who you did not intend to be included, your, the, the whole vow was uh, never started. Because your vow was on all of them. If it doesn't include all of them, it's not all of them. End of story. Says the Gemara, Tana we learned in Ebrei'sa, Kishem she'nidre shkagos mutarim, the same way in the Dharma of shkagos are permitted, kachshvoy shkagos mutarim, the same thing is true by oaths. A mistaken oath, an unintentional oath, is also okay. Hechidam Yeshua shkagos, what is the case of an unintentional oath? Kegoyin Rav Kahana Rav Asi, I'll give a little background, Rav Kahana and, and uh, Rav Asi were, were uh, friends in Yeshiva, they both learned by Rav, and there's a Gemara elsewhere that tells us, Rav said a halacha in a shir, and Rav Kahana and Rav Asi were arguing about what their Rebbe said. And each one dug their heels in the sand, and they said, I swear that if uh, I'm forbidding this. No one says, if I swear. Uh, and then it turns out, and they both swore this is what Rav said. And obviously one of them's wrong. And afterwards they came to Rav and asked him who's right. Um, yeah, and bottom line was that uh, Rob told them afterwards that they're both okay. Because they only made the oath thinking that they were right in what Rob said. They were convinced that this is what Rob says. But, the, but uh, as soon as it turned out that it was not true, um, it, did, it, it uh, wasn't a valid oath. Again, why? Because in their heart... At the time of their statement, they really thought they were correct. Turns out they were mistaken. Okay, so that's a, a mistaken oath. Fine. Says the, then the Mishnah said, two dots, Roy saw an Eichlin. If let's say this guy sees people eating his figs and he says, all of you were carbon. And it turns out it was father and brother. So we had a machlekes, Bishamay and Basilo. Says the Gemara Tanhas, we learned in the Mishnah elsewhere. Listen to this. If somebody takes an oath, I'm not eating meat, I'm not drinking wine for the next year. Let me ask you a question. Can he eat meat and drink wine on Shabbos and Yom Tif? What did he mean? 
Because he didn't say that. What he said was, for the next year. Now, if you're going to tell me that Shabbos and Yom Tif, he can still eat meat and drinking wine, uh, you, know, you know what you're basically saying? That we can pick and choose within his statement what he meant. Which is not exactly similar, but kind of similar to a guy who sees a group of people, and he says, you're all forbidden. And it turns out that it was father and brother were there. We should be able to pick and choose what he meant. Like Beishamai. Okay? So the Mishnah says that for Shabbos and Yom Tif, we uh, allow him to, uh, we allow that to be an opening to eat meat and drink wine. First they thought what that means is, Shabbos and Yom Tif, he could still eat meat. But on the rest of the days of the year, it's Asr. However, Akiva said, no, 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 no. That's not what's happening here. What it means is that if he says no meat and wine, and they say to him, by the way, Shabbos and Yom Tov, you have an obligation. And he says, oh, I didn't mean that. What says Rabbi Kiva, the entire statement falls off. If you're not going to follow one half of his statement, you're not going to follow the other half of his statement. Okay? So says our Gemara, Omar Rabba. Rabba says, you should know, in our Mishnah, to clarify the dispute between Beishamai and Beisil. Again, Beishamai says, you can pick and choose. You can say the husband and brother are still fine. Everybody else is usher. Basil says, no, they're all usher. He says, the kuliyama, everybody agrees. Kol If the guy says, if I would that if I if I would have known my father was there, I would have used an expression of you're all usher, except for father. So he started out his expression by saying, Everybody's usher. That's an inclusive statement. And then he says, he's removing his father. Under that circumstance. Everybody would agree the kulon asurim ba'avev mutter that they're all usher because he started out his statement of kulon asurin and then his father's mutter because he removed his father from that statement. So where's the machlekas in the Mishnah? Says Rabba. We'll get to Rabba tomorrow. Rabba's going to argue, but Rabba says Where's machlekas b'shamay b'sil? Ella ba'imer where he says ilo yisi idea. If I would have known sha'aba beinechem that my father was among you. I would have said, ready for this? Not that you're all lesser. I would have said, Pliny you, Pliny Asurim, Yankel and Volvu are Asur, the Abba Mutter. And my father is going to be Mutter. Now, what's the difference between these two cases? The difference between these two cases is the order that you're creating the prohibition. So, for example, if somebody says, um, I threw the keys out the window to my Bobby. Okay? You threw the keys out the window to my bubby. Fine. If you were Hasidish, you might say, I threw my bubby out the window, the keys. Oh, <laughs> one second, one second. If you wouldn't have finished the second half of your statement, that wouldn't have sounded good. Right? Right? It's like, could you pass me down the table the butter? Pass me down the table the butter? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Right, it's a good thing you clarified the end of the statement. So that's what, that's what the Gemara is kicking in over here. It says it depends how we start out. If you started by saying, you're all usher. Okay, you're all. Except for my father. Okay, so what's going to be is you just clarified. You just clarified what you mean. However, when he says, if I would have known that my father's there, so he's already excluding his father from the group, right? He said, you see, I, mean, I would have said plenty of plenty of surin, which his father was never included in the first place. 
I threw the keys out the window. He never mentioned your bubby yet. I threw the keys out the window. The Abba Mutter and the, my father's Mutter. So in, uh, that's going to be the case where Beishamai and Beishel argue. Beishem, tomorrow we will pick up from Rava's explanation of the case where Beishamai and Beishel are arguing. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, everybody.